Hello and welcome. You are listening to Thoughtless Casual Gaming with Brett and Jace. We are a Geelong-based gaming podcast where we play some games, usually badly, and then usually talk about how bad we are at them. Anyway, in this case, we just watch the games on YouTube and then talk about how shit we are at them. <laughs> it's, it's a little from column A uh, <laughs> and nothing from column B. But... Um, what we're here to talk about today is we are here to talk about Conquest, the last argument of kings, which is the longest name for a game I think I, I've heard. Yes. However, I, I look, and I had so many things to rip on it about because, you know, the, the final disagreement of reigning monarchs is just, you know, it, it, how much further can you take this? <laughs> I do, however, think it's potentially the most progressive metal album name of a game I've ever heard. Like, you, you could see that on a record. Yeah. I was kind of disappointed that, like, it didn't stand for, uh, not stand for something, but the initials didn't make out some cool word. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it should be yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of more like clearing your throat than yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just choked on a hairball. Ah, uh, few a few more a few more words, and you could have had like some long name that shortens to clitoris or something. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, then we'd never be able to find the game. No, oh, that's true. Um, but I mean, the name aside. We obviously have a competition going at the moment where we are giving away the starter box, uh, kindly donated by Throw the Dice in, here in Geelong, uh, which is a wonderful prize. It's a huge box. You've got the box. It's tell, tell me about it. It is. It is large. It, it's and it's like I actually, you know, in, in, I had a look through, you know, the the kind of what do they call it when you list all the things that are in a thing? Contents. Yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> it's been a week. Um, so not only like having a, like it's a weighty box, but there's that. And then just flicking through like the yeah, uh, a couple of unboxings and reviews and stuff and you get a lot of stuff. Um, so it's a two-player starter box is a starting point. You get kind of um, two starter forces, one for the effectively the human faction, the 100 kingdoms. I'm not sure if there is exactly 100 kingdoms. Um, what happens if A, somebody, you know, takes over one or B, one sort of does a, a revolt situation? Because 99 kingdoms doesn't get, nah, I've got 99 kingdoms. And, <laughs> anyway, um, and also Spire. So it, the two of the starting factions, but... They're pre-done war bands. You can basically roll out of the that box and start playing. At, you know, it's not a full massive scale game, but like they're chucking in knights. It's not just you know single pose plastic. You know, like we're all used to with old ones. Um, there's the spire, the full spire abomination critter is in that, which is this huge monster piece as well. So that all your tokens, like everything you need to basically roll out the game for you and a mate which is a 
pretty sweet box for, you know, a starter box for literally, you know, first investment. You split that with a mate um, and you are already testicle deep in conquest. The the models themselves too are really impressive looking models. Like there's a number of different factions and all the models are they're just something different. They're bigger than your standard size, aren't they? Yeah, they've gone a fraction. I think they're sort of more a forty mil sort of on a similar scale to let's say Marvel, mm-hmm. um, where everything's that little bit chunkier, uh, a little bit bigger, um, which is kind of nice for a painting side of things um but i i really like that they've kind of taken their own spin on all of the traditional factions so they've got i think they've now got the six factions going um but there's just something a little bit different about every single one of them and it it does mean that you know you, you may not have gravitated to as an example an undead faction in historically in Warhammer or any of those other games, you know, that have got those kind of very traditional, you know, necromancer, zombie, vampire type undead factions. But this one's just got a slightly different uh, little little bent to it. It's a little bit more, I almost want to say sort of Roman legionary mm-hmm. um, with their, their undead guys. It's just a different feel. The same with the dwarves, um, the same the spire are unlike many things I have seen, if anything, that is a whole other world of, um, you know, that they've gone rogue with the uh, the artistic creativity on that one. <laughs> That's the one that, in, that intrigues me the most, I think. They just, they look pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so no, I really, really dig, A, the, the scale, B, and, and I think like every game, the starter box has some of the kind of basic infantry and stuff, and they've bumped it up a, a step more by doing, you know, the big monsters and stuff. But they're also a company that, by all accounts, from everything I'm hearing, is going leaps and bounds on the production quality of the models as well. Um, so, you know, less cleanup, all that jazz, which is glorious. Yeah. Look, there's the the models are impressive. One thing I noticed, you say that they, they've sort of done their own take too. There's no elves. There is no elves. In a fantasy game, that's like almost unheard of, isn't it? No, and you know, what was interesting is I was listening to a, another podcast on this exact topic and they kind of suggested that the Spire are the elves of... Um, okay. And, like, digging into this a little bit more, this is probably the other thing I really um, appreciate is how much they've started creating a new world Mm -hmm. and a whole, you know, it's not just here's a game, roll some dice, enjoy it. Here's the models, they're pretty, go paint them. But they're actually investing in that storytelling component and that narrative component. And so the whole concept is, is the Spire were kind of, you know, your, your space alien type dudes um they've had some you know a bit of an explore down this way with some scientists and whatnot some shit's gone down and a whole bunch of them have basically just had to like flee you know uh as as sort of uh shit's happening in in the ether um so they've basically come in they've closed all the portals behind them they've destroyed everything they're never getting back um, they've doomed the rest of their race to, to death effectively by doing this. Okay. Um, 
And then they've realised they're a little bit fucked um, because they haven't got all of the stuff, you know, the super advanced civilization stuff. Um, so the whole concept is, is they went, oh, we're going to have to do something about this. And they let their scientists go a little bit rogue and started cloning. Okay. And that's basically where all the troops come from. They're these vat-grown kind of troops. So it's kind of born out of this whole racial desperation for survival that they're like, how are we going to guarantee our continued existence, right? We just have to get the scientists to go gangbusters, forget any of the rules, forget the ethics, forget the religion, forget the everything, just make it happen. Um, and they kind of did, but they kind of got it wrong. And now they've got these kind of drones or the, you know, vat grown dudes that they just roll out. And that's kind of where this whole Elvish thing, it's this super high ancient race, super high technology dying out. And it's just how the, the situation and how they've dealt with that kind of desperate, you know, survival. Okay, so six playable armies. Yes. That's the kind of background they've got for one of them. Like how how and, much effort is that? And not only that, is that's the overall spire background. Every single one of their um, different factions have got sub-factions within them. So with the spire, I don't know. No, actually, that's one I'm going to struggle with. Um, but if with the humans, for example, is an easy one, because um, I can actually remember it, but you've effectively got the aristocracy, like the, the, the nobles and stuff, you've got the, the knightly houses, and you've got the religious sort of leadership. There's three different sub-factions within that, and there's this kind of war between them for control as well. So they've gone already super deep on the... The, just the history, um, the how everyone's got there, and they're writing it as they go. So they're kind of they're engaging with the community, which I thought was super cool to sort of go right. Well, you can vote on their website. I think anyone can do it um, for your favorite faction unit or whatever, and that's the story that they continue based on who everyone votes for. So a number of companies have done or tried to do something similar like that in the past. I know GW did it with like the Black Crusade way back when, mm -hmm. uh, you know, your games mattered to the overall storyline, but the overall storyline didn't change that much. Like straight away from the get go, these guys are basically taking on board what people like, what people are intrigued by and running with that from the sounds of it. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose Games Workshop's probably a little bit, and it has almost been a good thing for them, but they were so established in the story when everybody came along already. You kind of already had all this history. But, you know, if I look at Warhammer or 40K as, as an example, if we look at 40K, for example, there's all this history, right? But they've basically stagnated for the last, what, 20-something years? History hasn't progressed at all. The emperor's still on his throne. Um, you know, everybody was kind of panicking for the survival of mankind. Stuff was happening, but nothing meaty happened um, for that entire time. We had this really kind of meaty history and we had this kind of threat of, you know, stuff to come. 
but we all played the game in this kind of little vacuum time capsule thing. Um, and it, it seems like, yeah, they're, they're going, look, we have to start somewhere. So there is a history and there is this, but we, the, the world is living, it is growing, stuff is happening. Um, and I kind of like that they're not basing it on, as far as I know anyway, they're not basing it on games. You know, it's, it's not the, you know, play in the global campaign for, it's just what stuff is cool, what stuff do you like, let's just. Taking the rule of cool to another level. Yeah. And just uh, going with it. I mean, it, it's, there's something really to be said about a level of backstory and background details that a game does like gw taking them for example i mean i know i totally agree with what you said like we've been in the same sort of world for the last 20 years um and in actual fact the the only movement that i've seen recently is going backwards and focusing more on 30k than 40k for example um but gw did it so well with having that story and getting people excited about the world that they were playing in. Like, obviously that's a big thing. And it's something that these guys have taken on board. What else is there about the game that intrigues you? Look, there's a few things. I, as I really dig the difference that they've, or the different route they've taken with all of the different factions. Um, and the, the most Obvious ones for me were the dwarves and the dwarves, you know, we look at the Tolkien's, we look at the Games Workshop, we look at all those kind of things that they they don't like magic um, and they like making stuff and they're grumpy old fucks. Um, with this one, the dwarves were created by dragons, effectively as a slave race, to make them stuff. So there's still that, that kind of craft, artisanally kind of thing. Um but effectively what's happened is there's been a couple of revolts from within. The dwarves found some ancient shit that made them very strong and gave them sort of elemental magic. So there's this fire kind of clan and there's mm-hmm. a earthbending clan, for want of a better term. Um, and they've gone and eradicated the dragons um, and freed themselves. Um, but, again, they're, they're a created race that are now sitting here going, well, we just live and, and you know, for, for war effectively because we were slaves and we're not slaves and now what do we do? We've got to mark our own territory and, you know, they're kind of fueled by this inter-clan um, war where some of them are going, oh, we shouldn't have used all that magic and done all those things and broken that giant artefact that gave us all that power and others going, yeah, but, we're here now, so let's just roll with it. Mm. Um, so it's it's just a whole different kind of slant on the, the traditional dwarven archetype. Equally, the orcs were apparently one of the creation of the spire. It's kind of, uh, you know, we need to try and create a better warrior race to help protect ourselves that they kind of, after being used for, for a meat shield, escaped and created their own race. And that's kind of your orcning. And they ride dinosaurs. Yeah, as you do. Yes, 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 all of the yes. Um, so there's the slant on on all those really traditional things. And I really like that they've got a different aesthetic. 
they're just not the same thing rolled out. Um, and I really like that they've got that level of history. When we get into actual game, there's a few things I really dig. One is it's an army style game. It's yep. it's it's a rank and flank army scale. You know the units work together. It's that real traditional um, tabletop fantasy Warhammer Kings of War Warmaster style thing. Yep. Written or you know the lead writer was Alessio Cavatore. Um. So you've got some cred there because that dude's done some stuff. Um. I'm looking at. Warhammer. I'm looking at more time. I'm looking at Kings of War. I'm looking at, you know, he's got some cred uh, in that regard, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff I don't play or care for. Um, he's been around, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Dude's got chops. So you know the rules are going to be slick and they look, from, from all intents and purposes, they look pretty slick and simple. It's, it's, the other thing I, I really like more than actually probably more than anything else I've seen in this game, they've got a few little things like, oh, you know, generally rolling low is better than rolling high. Cool. It doesn't really matter. The odds are the same. Um, you can flip. The odds are the same, but it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to be ro- trying to roll low when every other game rolls high. Yeah. Like just even that just sort of sets it aside from everything else to me. Yeah, that feels to me more like just a, a, a thing to have for the sake of having a point of difference. The bit I really like is the no deployment. Yes. So in the game, you know, traditionally you would rock up with your army that you've made and you would spend a large portion of the game going, right, well, here's how I position my models before the game's even started. The whole it's, turn zero thing. Yeah. And there's none of that shit. So you, your entire army is in reserve, effectively, and then depending on the type of unit, they roll onto the board over the course of the game. Um, so the light units generally come on first or it's easy to get them to come on early and then the bigger, nastier, heavier stuff comes on a little bit later in the game. So they might not be able to come on from until you know turn three or turn four. So there's that. And then how they roll on is the next coolest thing I've seen. So effectively, instead of coming on from your table edge or a defined deployment zone, your reserve space, whatever the hell they call it, I can't remember, it doesn't matter, is the back of your most forward unit that is not engaged. So the more aggressive you position models the more space you've got to bring models on, you effectively take and hold ground as part of that movement and and playing in the game, which I really kind of dig. It it creates a little bit more interest and dynamic to that reserve, but Mm. also the movement phase. It's not just about, I just want to hold back because I have more guns than you. You have to play aggressive because you need to bring models on and you need them to do stuff. Yeah, so those big heavy guys that might come not come on for a couple of turns, they want to be in people's faces pretty much straight away to get the most out yeah. of them. So yeah, sitting and, back and just firing arrows and stuff is not gonna not gonna accomplish anything towards that goal. Yeah. And I think it really count like it really creates some high risk, high reward situations. 
um, where, you know, if you can get someone really far forward and keep them safe, you've just opened up this world of hurt where you can bring in your reserves later on. Super cool. The other thing that got me to was the whole, and we'll go into a bit of detail about the turn phase, but so this will come in in later on, but the command cards. Yeah. Having each of your units has a card and that card effectively creates a stack which you draw from to see which of your units is going to go. It gives a bit of a... There's a bit of a game in that too, in trying to outfox your opponent and trying to work out what they're doing. Uh, but I've always been a big fan of that whole you know, randomness. I mean, you know, you see it to a degree in, say, X-Wing, where you know you might overshoot your opponent because you've thought they're going to do something and they've banked right and you've gone left or whatever. Or you know, even the Batman miniatures game where you're drawing. Um, tokens out of a bag to see who gets the next yeah. go. Like that whole random aspect. Uh, here it's not so random, say, as Batman, but there's definitely a degree of thinking and working out, you know, what's on the table on your opponent's side, what order you think they're going to go in and trying to maximise your reactions to those. Yeah, there's a real game within a game. With that yes. whole whole kind of piece, which I really dig, it's that whole trying to predict your opponent's moves, um, and re- and it, it, it gives a feel of a, a really kind of general ship role. Like mm-hmm. you are the general of the army. You're sitting there at the back of the thing with your tent and your advisors, and you're like, right, well, what are we going to do? Because it's not a real time reaction. It's a turn by turn thing where I'm like, right, well, I need to do this and then this and then this and this because they're definitely going to do that and then that and then that. Um, so, it, it, and it, you know, there, there was a, a comment somewhere along the lines where they're like, oh, they used inspiration from real world kind of medieval mm-hmm. battles and stuff to, to kind of do it. But that's probably the piece that captures that the most for me is this whole concept of I have to issue my orders trying to work out what my opponent's going to do and it gives you that real sense of if you do that well you have outboxed yes you have out you know outplayed so there's a degree of satisfaction in a victory that would come from not just rolling the dice better than your opponent, not just positioning, but also outplaying. Yeah, it really does feel like they've thought long and hard about how best to do that and how best to create some of those situations that make it feel, you know, in a completely fantasy setting, um, a more accurate for want of a better term, battle situation. Yep, yep, agreed. Was there anything else you wanted to add before we sort of go into a step-by-step for the turn, just to give people an idea? No, I think they're probably the key differences for me. I haven't had a good look into the the scenarios, the victory points, all the different, you know, objectives and stuff like that, which I suppose would be the other thing that probably will matter as, as you know how the game plays out mm-hmm. um i haven't really paid that much attention to be honest so you know baby steps i mean we are coming in raw we're we're as noob as they come for this game like, 
raw earth than usual to give you a benchmark. <laughs> Which is just nasty in every way, we've, shape and form. Already removed an outer layer of skin. Um, <laughs> There's no time for lubricant. <laughs> Anyway, turn structure. So each turn, uh, and I think generally these games can go for, say, up to 10 turns, but usually less than that by the time the game is is worked out. There's five different steps in the turn. So first and foremost is your reinforcements. So all the units start off the field. Like we said, you're rolling for each. Uh, on the first turn, you're just rolling for your light infantry. Then as the turns progress, you're rolling for medium and then for heavy as well. And the the number that you need to roll changes. You know, it's easier to get your light infantry on than it is to get your medium. Yeah, you know, that and, sort of and, thing. Yeah, and your medium guys, they might come in on turn three if you're all of five. They'll come in on turn four if you're all of four. It gets progressively easier kind mm-hmm. of as you go. Um, yeah, it's that kind of deal. And as we said, you know, once once the game has progressed and you're a couple of turns in, those reinforcements are just sort of starting behind your other dudes. doesn't matter where they are in the field. That's where they're coming on. So they're not coming on on the bait baseline um the other thing is that you know you're not all your stuff i mean you know only what you roll for in turn one is is on the field so there's none of this losing half your army before you've even had a go sort of thing <laughs> which can be an issue with other games um second phase is called the command phase now as we said we you get a card for each of your units and what you'll do in the command phase is for all of your units that are on the field, you chuck those cards into a little pile in the order that you want them to activate. So again, you're going to have to be thinking about who your opponent's probably going to be activating first, whether you want to be a, you know sort of hitting them in the flank after they've moved, that sort of thing. You've got to predict that's where the mind game starts sort of happening and you can you really start i think you know in a couple of turns in when you've got models in they're already fighting they're doing stuff right you've suddenly got this situation where i need to activate this model early otherwise it's going to die before it does anything because it's already taken a bunch of wounds and then on the other side of that you're going right well i know they're going to activate that early so it does something before it dies which means i don't have to worry about it it's going to go first and then I can go do some other stuff and come back to it later kind yeah. of deal. So you can actually, again, start playing that mind game there um, and, and you know, trying to outfox the fox. And, like, having this sort of pile of cards too, it's kind of like a, an extra aspect to the game, but it's not like you're, you're, you know, you're Malifaux where your cards are, you know, with the dice or it's, it's just the turn structure that you yeah. want to take. I do kind of like the tension that that would, cre- would create over the course of the game, mm-hmm. though, because you've got this moment of, like, I'm going to activate before you, re- like, reveal the card. It's going to be like, oh, I didn't think you were going to do that. Yes. Or, you know, it's that kind of thing. So I think there's it gives you those little moments of tension throughout, which uh, I, and I think, you know, often – Creating tension is the sign of a good game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so third phase is called supremacy. 
And this one, you're pretty much rolling a dice to see who goes first. Now, there is a, a little extra bit in that if you have less cards than your opponent in your command stack, then you can either add or subtract one to your roll. So it's up to you. It means that you've got a little bit more control. Whoever wins that roll is going first. So if you really want to win, you can you know, increase your roll and get a better number than your opponent. If you want to go second, you want to see what they do, you want their, mo their troops to move into your range and line of fire, you know, you've got those sort of options. So it's a little bit like a little bit of a bonus for not having your army's shit together, basically. It is a better analogy than I would have come up with. I love it. <laughs> but I also really like the fact that they have an entire phase for what is effectively a roll-off. Yes. Yes. Number three, roller dice. Done. Uh, the fourth phase, this is the action phase. Now, this is where the majority of stuff is going to happen. So whoever's won that supremacy roll will flip over the top card in their command stack, and that is the unit that they are going to use first. Uh, and then it goes back and forth. It's not one army moving everything all at once and firing and destroying half of your army before you've had a turn and, you know, you just grin and bear it and, and you know, as we said, there's no time for lubricant. Uh, but... It's back and forth. These these are the games which I dig more than anything because it keeps both players involved. Absolutely. And I feel like it also it, it then makes it feel like that your two generals have issued their orders and their units are carrying them out simultaneously or as close simultaneously as you can get. Mm -hmm. um, but it also means that you can potentially react to something that's happened as well. So a unit's activated that you didn't expect. You've you know, had to, you've only got the unit next that was at the top of your deck, but you it might change what you do with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it gives you this real kind of backwards and forwards. Right? The, the, the battle layout, the battle situation has changed and I need to adapt my strategy based on that as well because they've done something I didn't expect or uh, I have to use a unit that is not in the best position for the task at hand and all that kind of jazz as well. But, yeah, alternating activations is the best way to play games is the moral of the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I couldn't agree with that more. Just any game with alternating activations just seems to flow better and seems to be more of a two-player game than a one-person game and then the other person's game and then yeah. first person's game. I, I have legitimately played games and games I thoroughly enjoy, but games where I said, all right, you do your stuff, I'm going to go to the loo, grab a drink, come back, maybe talk to a couple of friends and then I'll take my turn and you can go to the loo and do your thing as well. Do you want me to get you beer on the way? And you come back. 30 minutes later and they've moved all their stuff and whatnot and that's all cool but i wasn't needed for the game mm -hmm. this isn't an option here i, I it's, you do something i do something yeah back and forth so each unit that you activate can take two actions now there's a couple of you know non-combat related actions there's a couple of combat related actions so your typical ones is like charge and attack and fire and you know range weapons that sort of stuff there's move uh move 
which is called March, March. I believe, in this, in this yeah. game. March is the only one that you can use twice. So it realistically means that most times you're probably not getting two attacks off in your two actions. You you might be using like an aim to get yourself a bit better dice rolls when you eventually let loose a volley of arrows on somebody. But you basically rolling a set number of dice and then your opponent is going to be defending against those yeah. dice. So it, again, it's it's not letting anyone's single turn sort of run away with the game completely um i really i really dig this because uh, you know there isn't that situation where i've got two actions i'm going to attack twice and just mutilate this mm-hmm. unit um and it's gone and it's happy days so that you know it, it doesn't create uh, that negative play experience where i don't have anything to do on my next turn because you've removed all of my toys um and it means that you know it there's some choices there, but what they've done to to replace that is give you an action that basically increases your effectiveness. So, you know, for, for the shooting one, you can take an aim and it basically increases or de- you know, makes your stat better by one. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, aiming and then firing turns out better than just firing. Makes sense. Um, the, yeah, so I, I really dig that not doing not just murdering stuff twice. I'm going to hit, hit. I'm going to shoot, shoot. It means you've actually got to think about it. It reduces the amount of dice that you're throwing um, and it keeps units in the game for longer, which keeps the game interesting for longer. Yeah, exactly. Like the amount of games that, can, you know, that even that we've played where you get two actions and both of your actions and you might get a free action or whatever depending on the game. You know, so you might have three actions where all three of them are murder the same person and completely wipe them off the field. There's there's none of that in this game that we've seen. All of this Yet. is our opinions after a brief amount of research. So do not take this as gospel. This is pretty much the impressions we've got. Yeah. Also, let's just be really, really clear that research, I, I will fully admit, is a skill, not a skill that I necessarily have. It is a discipline. And what we did when we say we research stuff is we looked at the website, maybe read the quick start rules and watched some YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty good. That's more than we usually do for most of the games. <laughs> so much more than I normally do for anything. <laughs> What did, we, what did we do for Dungeon Ball? We just set up the board and we're like, right, okay, how do we play? How can it be? Yeah. Um, so action phase, that goes back and forth until everybody's command stack has been done. Lastly is the victory phase where you count up any victory points that you've gotten that turn. And depending on the scenario that you're playing, you know that will determine how you get victory points. And at the end of that phase... If there's a winner, somebody that's reached the allotted victory point condition, they win. If they there is no winner, then you start a new phase. Go yeah. right back to the same, start of the turn. Rinse and repeat. So, yeah, you, you start bringing on the extra units. You make your command stack. You roll to see who goes first, and you go through all that, all that jazz again. Yeah. Um, so five so- phases. First one's really a couple of rolls. Second one's putting some cards in a stack. Third one's a roll. Fourth yeah, one, I'll... that's where shit happens. Yeah. And the fifth one yeah. is counting. 
yeah, one of those phases is really the play. I mean, oh, I would say two of those phases are playing the game and that's the making the stack and then the mm-hmm. doing the stuff. Um, you need the other stuff so you can do it, but really it's make a stack, make it, you know, do things in that order. Yeah. So like general, I mean, that's the base, base of the game. Uh, we will go into more details in future episodes. We want to do a couple of these. Um, we obviously are excited about this, excited about the competition that that we're doing. Uh, so if you haven't joined that, please jump on Facebook. Uh, there are two posts now. So first one, all you need to do, like and tag a friend. Pretty much it. Like us. Don't like the friend. Tag we the friend. We assume you like them. Tag a person. Doesn't have to be a friend. No. No. Uh, but there is a second one which has gone up uh, yesterday, which basically, if you want a free another entry into the draw, all you need to do, find that post and tell us which faction you're most excited about and why. Simple, did simple I, stuff. Did I say anything about orcs on dinosaurs? Because orcs on dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we we have plans. Yeah. We will be sitting down shortly. There will be another episode coming soon. Hopefully this episode will be out before we sit down. But that's well, all well, new. Let's aim for that, yeah. <laughs> Would you like to know more? Um, yeah, look, base, base impressions, it's a pretty game. It looks reasonably uncomplicated i mean there's good there's rules in there and and i've I've seen things happen you know when your unit does this it does this yeah there's you know extra stuff too with um draw events so some units have draw events so when you draw them an extra thing happens Mm -hmm. um so you know there's that characters have a little extra subset of rules where they can duel and and whatnot which is kind of fun um nothing that overly you know, panics me. And then no. it's the standard use of, you know, is the, there are units that get rules, you know, aim gives you a plus one or you might have something that reduces someone's defense and those kind of standard special rules that stuff has. Um, but I think all in all, the, it looks pretty streamlined, um, even to the point where they've done things like you can move through your own models. Yes, I saw that. Don't, don't land on them. You can't finish on them. That's bad. But you can move through them without a problem. Um, so, it, again, it just cleans up. You don't have to mess around, try to measure around shit and, and work that out. Just just move the models, get play the game. The rules don't get in the way, and that's the best bit. Yeah. Look, it's a, it's a fantasy game. It's rank and file. All the models look impressive, but they're all on circular bases, which then slot into big square bases for this game. There's also a like a skirmish type version of Conquest. They do have First Blood, which is yeah the skirmishy version. Um, so if you're looking for an even easier way to get into, if you just like a couple of the models. Um, the other thing, and I saw this at Throw the Dice the other day, is the gaming mats that they've got. Specifically, Ooh. I saw the first Blood one, but they've done like neoprene, mouse mat mm-hmm. material kind of game. They are really pretty. 
Are they? Like, really pretty. Like, I saw, I think it's the first blood one I saw, which is kind of like a three by three or a four by four, but kind of cobblestone. Mm-hmm. Nice. Like I saw, I, I saw that. I didn't know what it was. I went, where is this from? Because I need to know that. And he's like, oh, it's the one from Conquest. I'm like, that's, oh, okay. Yeah. I need to look at this. Yeah. It's pretty. Um, yeah. Pretty models, pretty game. Rank and flank, which is always my jam anyway. Um, there are lots of good things I'm pretty excited about to dig into this a little bit more and just see where it fits into the, the ecosystem. Yeah. Likewise. Uh, so shall we wrap it up there? Let's do it. All right. Uh, by all means, jump on Facebook and give us a follow if you haven't already. Jump in those competitions or, or the one competition, but jump on those two entry possibilities. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on Podbean. We're on Twitch. We're breaking it on Discord at the moment, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Um, and also we have Patreon. So if you want to help us, do these sort of competitions. This one, like I said, kindly go donated by Throw the Dice, but uh, all of our other competitions are pretty much supported by our Patreons. All of that Patreon money goes straight into their, the prizes and, and things like that. We have a brand new Patreon this week. Uh, Glenn, thank you very much for jumping on board. It's much, much, much appreciated. But that's it. What? That's... We have another one? When we have another one. Happen? I know. Oh. This week, I told you. Were you listening to me at all? No. Just, no, I guess not. This, again, is nothing unusual. <laughs> uh, professionalism at its best. <laughs> there it is. All right, catch Let's